Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, You are an amazing creator, sustainer. We are thankful that you do love us. We are thankful that it wasn't the nails that kept you to the cross, but it was your love for us, Lord. You died for our sin. You did so so we could have a relationship with you, that we can have hope in a future. And I pray as a church that we go forward with that message, especially to those who you bring into our lives. We pray that you continue to open doors and hearts to your message and for us to be messengers of that message of salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're still in our sermon series titled All About the Future. And one thing we can never forget is this. When Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Why? Because our God deals in futures. And it's not always easy, is it? There's a lot of pain and suffering and troubles in this world that we experience. And sometimes it gets us down, doesn't it? Sometimes we, we feel like, you know what, I can't overcome this. So I'm just going to allow this guilt and this shame from my past to allow me to be stagnant, stationed right here. But we need to remember because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it doesn't matter what we're going through because it matters where we are going. And we have a hope of a future because of him and his work. Speaking of work, it'd be a lot of work to look this good, wouldn't it? I mean, when I look at a photo like this, this Miss America pageant, the winner is being crowned, isn't she? But see, this photo is rather odd if you ask me. You want to know why? When I look at a photo like this, I, I think to myself, how many winners are there? One. There's only one winner. So why are all these other women who are competing against the one winner so happy? <laughs> I mean, seriously. This is like a mannequin telling another mannequin, I hate fake people. They just lost. What do they have to be so happy about? But in all actuality, I've never really tuned into the Miss America pageant anyway. I'm more of a uh, Westminster dog show kind of guy myself. And don't think I put the two side by side for any particular reason. In fact, in 2011 was a very special year for the Westminster dog show. For the first time ever, a Chinese dog was a finalist. That was the second proudest moment of that dog's life. The, the proudest moment for that Chinese dog was the fact that it escaped out of a China uneaten. <laughs> but, but really, but really, I'm still waiting for that poor dog from the streets to actually win. Okay, I'm holding out hope for the poor one from the streets. Because we can say that it's a wags to riches tale. Let's be serious for a moment now. Let's get, let's get into this. Seriously, though. 
whether it's Miss America beauty pageant or it's the Westminster dog show, what is modeling all about? What is the purpose? What is the purpose for these women to parade in nightgowns or whatever it is that they're wearing up and down, be judged by their personality, all these different things, these dogs being paraded around a room, a ring? What's the purpose of modeling? See, no matter what it is, the purpose to model something is to say, this is the ideal standard. So if Miss America wins for 2018, we're saying she is the ideal standard of what beauty should be. If you win the Westminster Dog Show, you and your canine, you're saying this is the ideal standard of what this particular breed should be. Which brings us to the title of our sermon this morning, The Gold Standard. The gold standard. We're going to be in 1 Peter. Please join me this morning. Chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. See, last week, Pastor Jared reminded us that when we set our hearts to honor God, we can live without fear. We saw how whether times are good or bad, our faith in Jesus and our future is really all that really matters, isn't it? No matter what we're going through, whether it's good or bad, it's our future that matters. Even when trying to reach others for the sake of the gospel, we should not fear because it's our, not our story of salvation, but rather it's his story of salvation. Today, we're going to continue on this trend, but we're going to see and we're going to hear how Jesus is the gold standard. We're going to hear and see how Jesus is our model of how to handle pain. He's our model of how to handle suffering. And he is our model of how we should be handling our troubles. So the question for you this morning is this. Do you have pain? Do you have suffering in your life? And all around, generally speaking, do you have some troubles? If you're saying, yes, it's okay, you know why? Because Jesus did too. Let's get into this text this morning. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience." Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Amen. When we take these verses and we put them into one sentence, it looks like this. As Christians, we're able to be fearlessly optimistic in the midst of our pain and suffering. As Christians, we are able to be fearlessly optimistic in the midst of our pain and suffering. And when we make a statement like that, we need to follow it up with a question. And the question we're asking this morning is this. 
How are we able to remain positive despite our troubles? That's the question I'm asking myself. It sounds good, doesn't it? But when we're going through what we're going through, how is it that we can actually remain optimistic despite what it is that we're going through? And you know what it is that you're going through right now. How can we remain so optimistic? We can because our future life depends on Jesus' troubles trumping our troubles. Our future life depends on Jesus' troubles trumping our troubles. I live with someone who actually thinks that they are Mary Poppins. You think I'm kidding. Oh, sweet little hope walking around Villa's Grace actually thinks she is Mary Poppins. In fact, she likes to remind me that she's practically perfect in every way. I like to remind her that there was only one person who was actually righteous, therefore being perfect. But you know what? That doesn't really get me anywhere. Because I know what she's really talking about when she says she's practically perfect in every way. Verses 18 and 19 again. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Again, are you experiencing pain? Are you experiencing suffering? Are you experiencing troubles right now? If the answer to any one of those questions is yes, I say good. See, if you told me everything was good right now, if you said my life is perfectly fine, I would be personally troubled for you. At no point in time was Jesus' life on this earth without pain, suffering, and trouble. As Christians, we can be fiercely optimistic. Why? Why is it that we can be so optimistic? We can because we know that Jesus' troubles trump our troubles. As it says here in the text this morning, it says, Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Mary Poppins can't claim to be practically perfect in every way. She can't actually claim that, or maybe she can't. But if she does claim that, did she righteously suffer for the unrighteous Banks kids? No. So how can we be so optimistic about our future? We can because see where it says right here that he might bring us to God. That he might bring us to God. Just as Mike was sharing this morning, God's our friend. And Jesus can bring us to God. Notice anything about the middle part of verse 18? That word right there, might. You don't bring yourself. There is no fictional character that brings you to God. Nothing like a Mary Poppins that flies in and saves the day. And some of us need to stop trusting our politicians. 
Some of us think that the politician that we vote for is going to swoop in and save the day. Now, there's nothing wrong with rocking the vote coming up here. But our salvation, our hope is in our future that's yet to come. Our faith in Jesus is what brings us to God. Go back to where it says, once for sins. See where it says once for sins here in the text? See, in the Old Testament, the Jews offered sacrifice after sacrifice to God for their sin. Jesus' one sacrifice is eternally sufficient for all. How? Because it was a righteous sacrifice for an unrighteous people. Yet God still calls us what? His friend. This is the same substitutionary atonement that we've been seeing all throughout 1 Peter. Jesus physically died for you. He died for us. Jesus' death wasn't quick, clean, and easy. He knew of his coming death along with the Trinity before the foundations of the world were laid. He still created knowing what he was going to have to do. It wasn't like he created, sin happened, and he went to a second plan B. No, this has been plan A since the beginning. That's how much he loves us. He came to earth in order to die a violent death. So we ask ourselves, why? Why would he stick to this plan A? This, this violent death that he was going to have to die. See right there, look at the end of verse 18. Because it says, made alive in the spirit. So that we can have faith in him and be made alive in the spirit too. That's what it's all about. Jesus died in the flesh, became alive in the spirit. We die in our flesh. And then the hope of our future is coming alive in the spirit. So my question to you right now, my question to myself right now is, who is tired of your sin suit? You know, your sin suit, yourself, the flesh. Are you sick and tired of your sin suit? I'm pretty sick and tired of my sin suit. Are you tired of the pain associated with your sin suit? Are you tired of the suffering associated with your sin suit? Are you tired of the troubles that you experience because of your sin suit? And, and see, when we say, yes, I am tired of everything associated with my sinfulness, we need to remember this. The seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years are nothing compared to a eternity with the Lord. Bring it on. Not that I want to experience some more pain and suffering and troubles in my life, but they're nothing compared to the eternity that I have waiting for me with the Lord because of what He did on the cross. Because I know that His troubles trump my troubles. His troubles trump our troubles. I'm reminded of how desperately each and every day that I need Jesus. Hopefully my response is when I'm reminded of how much I know him, is to get to know him better, is to get to know him and make him known to others. Church, 
We need to get to know him better. We need to make him better known. We need to be all about building relationships that make followers of Jesus. And that's exactly why he has us in Villas Elementary School. We're not there for any other reason other than to make followers of Jesus Christ an impact on young kids every Thursday for an hour and 45 minutes. We get to share the gospel as a church. Yes, there may be six of us going into that school each Thursday afternoon, but there's a whole army of us right here that's behind us supporting that, that effort. Why is this so important? Why? Why is this so important? Look at verse 19. What does it say? It says, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Who did Jesus go to? evil spirits, the fallen angels who have been imprisoned by God, what did he reveal to them? Jesus went to them and basically said, I win. I win. Jesus said to those evil spirits, I trump the troubles that you placed on me. Therefore, we need to allow him to be our model. He's our gold standard. He needs to be the gold standard in your life. Which is why we can say this. Which is why we can say, as Christians, we're able to be fearlessly optimistic in the midst of our pain and suffering. It's the reason why we can ask this question. How are we able to remain positive despite our troubles? We know that we're able to remain positive because our future life depends on Jesus' troubles trumping our troubles. This right here is a wall. This wall has glass, broken glass, cemented to the top of it. This wall is what I call Haitian security. When I went to Haiti... I was struck by most of the homes, if you were fortunate to have a home in Haiti, you had a wall, and on top of the wall there was broken glass cemented to the top of the wall to prevent people from going over that wall. See, there, there's a story of a man named Frederick Nolan. That has nothing to do with Haiti. This actually happened in northern Africa. And according to David Helm, Nolan was fleeing some people trying to get after him. And as he was fleeing from his captors, he came across a cave. And at this point, he was exhausted. They'd been chasing him forever. So he went into the cave to hide, but he knew that this cave was a pretty obvious hiding spot, so those chasing him were going to find him. But just as he got into the cave, a spider started to spin a web in the front entrance to the cave. And as the spider continued to web, spin this web, it finished within a matter of minutes. And eventually the captors caught up to Frederick Nolan. And they looked into the cave and they were just about ready to go in, but then they decided not to. 
And the reason why they decided not to go in was because of that spider's web. They thought it would be a waste of time to check a cave that has a spider web at the entrance because they thought to themselves, if he was in this cave, that spider's web would have been broken. It wouldn't have even been there. See, he was really in there, and when he was in there, he realized that God taught him something. And this is what he said. He said, where God is, a spider's web is like a wall. Where God is not, a wall is like a spider's web. See, we're all like Haitian security, and Haitian security is like us. We pursue the protection rather than the protector. Verses 20 through 22. Because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Do you know what verse 20 is telling us? Verse 20 is telling us that some of these fallen angels and demons have been imprisoned for a pretty long time. What do man-made prisons look like? See, every man-made prison has these things in common. Every man-made prison is going to have a cell, walls, barbed wire, guards. But yet what happens? Prisoners still escape. Those who have been imprisoned by God aren't going anywhere, are they? How do we know that this is true? What evidence do we have from these verses that points us in that direction? Take a look at the very first part of verse 20 where it says, Because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. See, these prisoners have been incarcerated since Noah built the ark. When we say life in prison, it's actually till death. When God imprisons somebody for a life or to a life sentence, it's forever. This is why it's important for us to remember that our pain and suffering is the result of a world ruled by evil. Jesus conquered the grave. That is our hope. That's why we can be fearlessly optimistic. Because where is Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father. Because he went to the prison and said, what? I win. And if he wins, we win if we have faith in him and his work. Jesus trumped the troubles of the same world in which we live in. So first, we need to be fearlessly optimistic about our future with him because we know this news. And secondly, we need to share this truth with those who the Lord has placed in our lives. The Lord has placed people in your life for you to share his good news of salvation. Do you know why we relate so well with Jesus? We relate with him because we know pain suffering and troubles. Do you know why Jesus relates so well with us? 
because he knows pain, suffering, and troubles. And do you know why we need Jesus more and more each and every day? Because he overcame pain, he overcame suffering, he overcame trouble. The more we get to know him, the better we can do the same too. Why? Because he is our gold standard. He is our model of how we deal with pain, suffering, and troubles in our life. And no matter what you're going through, Jesus wants you to focus on your future with him. Though times in your life right now may be full of pain, they might be full of suffering and troubles, he will protect you. That's why we pursue the protector and not the protection. And this is why it says, while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water again. This is why we have to pursue him as our protector. And though we're not those eight people in Noah's ark, we are the people of Jesus' church. This is why Peter refers to baptism. See, our baptism is in Jesus Christ. Our baptism is coming under the protection of the protector. What happened to those who didn't make it into the ark? They were destroyed. What happens to those who don't make it into Jesus Christ? They will be destroyed. See, the destruction of the flood and the ark foreshadowed Jesus God was sending the world a message. Peter is reminding us that God did this once before with the ark. He's reminding us that God has done this yet again through Jesus Christ. Let's face it. We all get caught up in everything going on around us. Sometimes we forget that we're already under his protection. Don't forget that you're in him. If you have faith in him and his work, don't forget that he has you. Don't forget that he will never let you down. So if you're going through some stuff and you find yourself forgetting that he has you, that you're in him, that he is your protector through prayer, ask the Lord to remind you that you're being protected by him. It is so easy for us to forget that. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can pray. We can ask the Lord, remind me. Show me how you're protecting me. Because of my sinfulness, I forget. I don't know about you, but to be able to do this is rather miraculous. We can pray directly to God. How and why is this even possible? Verse 22 says this, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. See, Jesus has been elevated to the highest position in all the universe, and he's right there praying for us right now. Why did God elevate Christ to the highest position in all the universe? It's because of what he accomplished on the cross. It's because of everything that he accomplished while on this earth. So what does that tell us? You know what that tells us? It tells us that our greatest accomplishment on earth might just be to overcome some of the pain, suffering, and troubles that we're experiencing right now. 
That's what it tells us. You overcoming your pain, you overcoming the suffering in your life, you overcoming your troubles in your life might just be the greatest accomplishment. It was Jesus' greatest accomplishment. And we get it twisted from the world, don't we? The world wants to tell you that your greatest accomplishment is going to be some form of success, some form of notoriety, some form of some beauty pageant. Even your dog can be the ideal standard in our world, right? This is why Jesus is the gold standard. The world will abandon their ideal of what a standard is anyway, and they'll do that at a drop of a hat. In 1932, the gold standard was actually for the American dollar, and the gold standard was that. It was gold. The American dollar was backed by gold. By 1933, the world, the American economy, abandoned the gold standard, and now our dollar is just backed up off good faith. I don't know about you, but I can only have faith in the one true protector. Jesus Christ. I can only pray to the Lord and ask him, Lord, remind me, show me, show me how in my sinfulness I'm looking for protection on my own when I need to be seeking you as my protector. So let's do that. Let's just bow our heads in a moment of silence as Mike plays here. And let's just ask the Lord to reveal to us how we can seek him better as our protector and give up trying to protect ourselves. text we understand that as Christians we're able to be fearlessly optimistic in the midst of our pain and suffering we asked a question this morning the question was this how are we able to remain positive despite our troubles and we know that we are because our future life depends on Jesus's troubles trumping our troubles Heavenly Father you are an amazing amazing Father your patience for us the history of your patience, even going back before the days of Noah. Lord, thank you so much for your work upon the cross. Our prayer as a church is to learn how to better get to know you so we can share you better with others. Please help us here at Villa's Grace do just that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.